It's now time for On the Line with Cheryl Wilkerson. The conversation will range from local dialogue to international. This show is meant to enlighten, inform, and to inspire. On the Line with Cheryl Wilkerson begins now. Hello and welcome to On the Line. I'm your host, Cheryl Wilkerson. Glad you could join me on this Sunday morning. I know Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock. Many people have other things on their agenda. So I thank you so very much for those of you that join me every Sunday. And don't forget... We have a YouTube channel, so you can always check out WNSB on YouTube and get any interviews that you did miss. And so my brain, I have decided, works a little bit differently than others, and I'll tell you what I mean. A couple of weeks ago, I was invited with other media to Langley Research Center, and was I ever wowed? And they were showing things that, they were going to show um, the, the public in upcoming days. And so they had invited the media in advance. And it is so interesting to me. And I felt when I was there and I was asking questions and they were so accommodating, I felt, uh, what is the word I want to use? I felt less than. That's the word I want to use. And I was thinking to myself, Cheryl, you've been to school. You got a degree and all of that. Why are you feeling less than? And I was thinking to myself, Cheryl, you ask people questions for a living, and these people are making decisions that affect the entire world. Now, I'm not feeling that way because they put off that thought. I'm feeling that way because that's the way I'm feeling internally. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Look at all the things I could have done with my life and I'm asking questions. But today, I am so pleased that I'm going to be asking questions of the director. His name is Mr. Clayton Turner. Yes, he's the director of NASA Langley's Research Center. You all know you probably passed the sign on 64. It's in Hampton, Virginia. You probably passed this facility sign and said, I should go check that out one day. Well, today is your preview to check it out at a later date because I'm so excited to have Mr. Turner with us. Hello and welcome to the show. Good morning, Cheryl. It's great to be here with you. How are you doing today? Everything well? Everything's going well. Uh, Can't believe we get to do what we get to do every day. And what you do is amazing. It. So I thought about myself. Director Turner, I thought about myself, and this is what I think. I have the curiosity that your engineers and nuclear physicists and all have. I have that curiosity, but I don't have the capabilities, and this is not, you know, I'm not being hard on myself. I'm just telling the truth. I don't have the capabilities to put it into action to solve problems or to make things happen. And what I so appreciated was when I came that day, not only do you have people that can put these capabilities, their capabilities into action, but they could explain it. They could dumb it down for me to understand. That was important to me. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And and, and part of it, and, and I'd like to say, I, I think you do have the capabilities because the team that's required to do the things that we do cross a wide breadth of experiences. We need diversity of thought. We need diversity of experience. We need a lot of people to do what we do. Sometimes with a place like NASA, people think of the engineers and scientists, but I need accountants. I need lawyers. I need communication specialists. I need people that are good at asking questions because that's how we figure out we're curious about something, and then our wonder turns it into reality. 
Director Clayton Turner, like I said, he's with NASA, been with NASA for more than 30 years. He's had several roles at NASA. And I was just thinking about starting this interview, and I was thinking to myself, I need to ask you, how did this all begin? So I want you to tell me as much of your childhood and growing up background as you want to, because there could be some younger person listening, and you might just be the inspiration they need to go on to become the next whatever. So how did it all begin? So so for me, it was a, a journey that's non-traditional. Uh, when I graduated from high school, I uh, went to college to study what all my friends were studying, and that didn't go well. And not because <laughs> of the college or my friends, because I wasn't properly motivated. So that idea about finding your passion and being motivated. So I went into the military. I spent some time in the Army. I I worked repairing pinball machines and video games. I worked as a recording engineer for a number of years, and that was fun and exciting. And uh, at some point in the middle of a blizzard in western New York, uh, as I was tying down a machine and the snow was sandblasting my face, I decided I could do something else. So I went back to school and being a little bit more motivated with a wife and family, uh, I did very well uh, when I went back to school. Now, my opportunities to work at NASA, again, NASA didn't immediately move to the front of my thinking because it was, you know, we say it with that hushed voice. But what I I discovered was the opportunity to be here, um, the place that, that I got my first interview, my first call from, was here at Langley Research Center. So the place I was physically born at here at Langley, those are the people that called me on my birthday to come to an interview for NASA. When I came to NASA, what I discovered was some people were doing what's called an environmental test, which is where you're recording data for 10 to 14 days, 24-7. The energy and excitement of the people recording that data because their baby was about to go fly. I was done right there. I was all NASA all the time. And I've had the chance to build instruments that fly up in space. I've put instruments on aircraft. I've worked with teams to solve technical challenges. We've launched stuff into space. And that was just the beginning of the journey. Now I get to excite people to find their passion and their journey, find their love, because we're going to reach for new heights to reveal the unknown for the benefit of humankind. So if we wanted to think, what if, I wanted to get from one side of the country to the other. Mm -hmm. I'm a brand new grandpa, so I want to see that grandbaby even faster. Mm -hmm. What if I could do that in two hours instead of six? What if when I got to the other side of the country, I could get from the airport to the grandbaby's house in 15 minutes instead of another two hours? We're doing that right now. We're wondering how that happened, so we're creating that to happen with an X-59 vehicle that's going to demonstrate flying over land supersonically without the sonic boom. We're demonstrating that with Jetsons-like vehicles that take you from where you are to where you want to be. Uh, That's where our what-if comes into play. What if I'm in a position where my grandbaby struggles with air quality? So wouldn't it be wonderful if I could give my grandbaby and my son a forecast on when it's good for that grandbaby to be outside and when it's not good for him to be outside? Our wonders changed the world and that we're doing that right now. We have instruments on orbit right now staring at North America to give us a near hourly report on air quality. 
Those are the kind of things that are happening, and that happens with contributions of a wide range of skill sets to make the magic happen. Make the magic happen. Another thing that struck me when we were there for Media Day was the fact that it seemed as though we went into so many different areas and we were introduced to equipment or concepts that were the only one in the world or only one of two in the world. How does that happen? So uh, we have a rich history here at NASA Langley. The center was formed in 1917. So we've moved on to develop some of those things. So when the center was first formed, it was for the nation to figure out flight. How do those crazy flying machines work? How do we go beyond the government? So as we mature, we built facilities to measure how we could efficiently make things fly. So as you, as you fast forward, these are very unique facilities. And when you were here on center, hopefully you got a chance to see some of them. These, were, these are facilities that use battleship-class motors, uh, the same things that's going to propel something on the other side of the ocean. We're using it to prepare, pro- propel wind tunnels. So we do that at slow speeds of two or 300 miles per hour. So you go from a standstill to takeoff. We do that at speeds, the speed of sound, many times the speed of sound, and many, many times to hypersonic velocities. The facilities to be able to do that are very, very unique and very, very specific. Mm-hmm. And that's something unique to NASA. Why did you think it was important to have not just the open house for the media, but for the entire community? So for me, the, the reason for the open house was to, share with the, was to share with the public our impact on their lives. So the public entrusts us with their tax dollar, and they're looking for us to make a positive impact on their life. So what I wanted to do was open the door so people could come on and see literally what we do every day. So they could come on and see the impact we're going to make in their lives. I got feedback. I, I was talking about what I had experienced on Media Day, and some of our listeners went and they got they they emailed back that they had taken their young people and they were so glad that they did. They were so happy about that. Can you tell us about some of the feedback you got? Absolutely. So being here with with you know our guests, our forty thousand or so guests here on center. Uh, seeing the excitement in the little one's face, the excitement in mom's and dad's faces, the excitement for the, the, the whole event. And there's a picture we have of a young lady holding on to our Spacey Casey to his leg because she was so excited. And, and this is the inspirational piece of what we do. It's beyond the technology. It's beyond the widgets. It's inspiring that next generation. Mm-hmm. So my first day as center director, my very first day, I spent with three-year-olds and four-year-olds. With the four-year-olds, we studied the solar system. I was the sun. They were the planets. We spun, we laughed, we fell, and then we talked about it. And the four-year-olds could tell me the closest planet to the sun, the farthest planet, the largest planet, the warmest planet, the coldest planet in our solar system. These are four-year-olds. Then I talked to three-year-olds about gravity, aerothermodynamics, coding, and engineering. Three-year-olds. I held the ball in my hand and I dropped it. And a young lady told me, I asked, I said, why did this ball fall? And a young lady told me because it's not a balloon. And then she told me why a balloon went up. I get excited thinking about that because imagine what that young lady's going to do if we keep pouring I cans into her head. She's going to solve challenges we can't even imagine right now. That's if we keep pouring those I cans in her head. And what we have to defend against 
uh, those opportunities, and I'll give you another example, which isn't as positive. We uh, often send out teams to talk to classes and do little things. Mm -hmm. One of our teachers, after one of those visits, shared with us that she was going to do a little skit with the children, and I think this was a sixth or seventh grade, seven-year-old group. She was going to do this skit with the children, and she told one young lady, you're going to be an astronaut. And the young lady said, I can't be an astronaut because I'm a girl. This wasn't 1940. This was just a few years ago. So we should be energized and excited to pour all the I can, and this is what you can do, that motivation. We, don't, we can't control everything that goes in, but we can help every person that wants to find out that thing they're passionate about and remove all the limits and barriers from above them. If you're just joining us, I'm speaking with Clayton Turner. He is director of NASA, the Langley Research Center right here in Hampton, Virginia. And the excitement in your voice as you talk about these young people, I can certainly attest to because the first time we met, I was so impressed because you spoke at the uh, luncheon for the 200-plus men. They put on that marvelous luncheon every year for all the African-American young men that have, a, I think it's a 3.0 or better in high school. And I was amazed as you stood there and talked to every single young person, every single mother, every single father, everybody in that room that wanted to speak with you, you stood there and spoke to the real deal. That's what you are, the real deal. I love that. This is what our children need. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, and I think it's, I'm privileged to be in a position where I have that, uh, that platform to stand on. And that platform has to be about what we're doing to lift up others. I cannot remember his name, but I was so happy when, when we were there for Media Day. And one of your persons explained to me about the, let's see if I can get it right the supersonic boom and how they're reducing it with the nose of the plane. Does that make sense? Am I making sense? Absolutely. It's, a, it's an aircraft designed with some unique technologies. Uh, supersonic, tra- supersonic airplanes are, are not new. The military uses them all the time. Mm-hmm. And we've even had some commercial versions, passenger-carrying versions, but they weren't viable because you could only fly them over the oceans. Right. So that's not an economic engine for people that make airplanes. It's not an economic engine for uh, people that run airlines because they can only fly over the ocean because as, as currently designed, they make a loud sonic boom. Mm-hmm. And that's just the people's homes and the family and the babies and all that. So what we're doing is we've designed and are having built a plane that will minimize that loud sonic boom into a soft thump. Maybe it sounds like a car door closing down the street. But to make that viable, we have to build this plane and then demonstrate it, not only here in the U.S., but to the international community. Because what makes that economic engine drive is that you can fly anywhere in the world over mm, land. Mm-hmm. That's important for us. I keep saying economic engine, but every time I say that, you should think opportunities for people to get good jobs so they can find their dream and their passion. Opportunities for people to get from where they are to where they want to be faster and affordable. That's the economic engine, and companies will take that on. This is really important that somebody's looking forward to the future because the plane we're building right now, we owe a lot of thanks to Christine Darden, one of our hidden figures from years past. She put in the work to develop these technologies that are built on this airplane to demonstrate that we can do this. That's another thing. There was a lot of pride. I heard a lot. I heard many people mention 
Christine Darden or Katherine Johnson while I was there that day. And it's so it's so wonderful to hear these women, these human computers getting their due. Mm-hmm. It continues. Yeah, it, yeah it, it, it's absolutely wonderful. And it's a testament to their work, right? Because they were focused on the work. And, and, and we know that was a difficult time for them to be able to do any work close to this. But they focused on that work and they made that impact. And I've been asked many times, why wasn't this story told before? And why haven't we talked about this before? From my perspective, and this is Clayton speaking, their story came to light exactly when it needed to be brought to light, exactly when the nation needed to hear it. So it was timely when it came out. Amazing stories. And, you know, being in radio as long as I've been in radio, I have met some pretty, pretty cool people. Okay, so I could name drop this morning. I was sitting here thinking about it and I was like, I actually sat down and had dinner with Louis Farrakhan. I have sat in a studio with Beyonce and Kelly Rowland, all these people. Right. And, and that's really cool. But when I tell you, I get goosebumps when I think about people as Miss Johnson and Miss Darden or what. Those are the people that give me goosebumps because what they have done. Again, this goes back to me personally. I don't think I'm that smart. I think, you know what, if God said, Cheryl, you could sing, you could, I could sing. I could make millions of people happy. That's cool. But when I look and I'm thinking about doing something that is so, it has to be so exact and it affects so many things or whatever, that gives me goosebumps. These people were heroes to me. Is that crazy? No, it's exactly appropriate. And I will, I will share a story. Uh, I had a conversation with uh, uh, Catherine Johnson. Uh, I think she was in her early 90s at the time mm-hmm. and getting ready for an event. We were just chatting, and she told me she was being tutored in Spanish. And I said, well, oh, that's nice. And uh, she said that there's a young man, an 11-year-old man, young, young child, he was tutoring her in Spanish while she was tutoring him in math. Wow. Now think about the power of that. The reason she was letting him tutor her in Spanish, because she wanted him to feel his value mm-hmm. and not just be as being dumped in him. Mm-hmm. So she was making it powerful for both of them. That's who Katherine Johnson was. That's who her colleagues were. And if you talk to her, mm-hmm. she doesn't want to talk about all the things she did. She, she said, I was doing my job. What she wants to do is lift up others. She left us a model and an example to follow. Yes, you can be the smartest person in the room on subject X, but if all you're doing is spewing out and showing how smart you are and not lifting somebody else up and helping them find the thing that they're going to excel at, you're not doing all you can to make this place, this this planet, our society, and all of us better. I remember I remember the day we lost her. I shed a tear because to me, she was just, I, I, and I had reached out to some people. I was like, can you please get to me, me to Miss Catherine so I can please just touch her. I did that with Oliver Hill and I did get to meet him. I was so excited about that. But yeah, that's just, that's just greatness. I'm going to flip back to media day for a moment now. I remember going to a table and there was this huge contraption and I looked at it and I knew it was a drone. But it was a drone like no other drone. Can you talk about that? So I, I don't know the specific one that you're referring to, but when you think about the drones for what we do here, so, you know, there are private companies that make a lot of those uh, uh, UAVs and small vehicles. 
But what we need to do is we do here is do the research on how we integrate tens of millions of those vehicles into our airspace because we all want our our package delivered five minutes from after we hit buy. (laughs) We want to get from where we are 10 minutes after we said we want to Uber there. So we sometimes use those vehicles to do that integration testing. That's to integrate the human beings, the airspace, and the vehicles. We focus on the vehicle being aware of its surroundings. So when you think about all those things working together, sometimes you need a scenario where we need a vehicle that's a little different than what you can go to Walmart and buy. So we actually can build the vehicles here on site, but our building them is not to go out and make 10,000 of them, but it's to demonstrate how those things will integrate into the airspace. So what if I had that flying vehicle that was going to deliver the package that you just purchased and that vehicle's on the way, I need it to know I'm having some problems, so I need to find a safe place to land. Because I can't have a pilot on every one of those if it's going to get you your package when you want it to be there. What if that vehicle was aware that there's a weather front coming in, so I'm going to take a different route, and I'm going to leave a text message for you that I'm going to be 10 minutes later than I was. You know, that's the kind of driver that we're talking about. And, again, that economic driver, that means more opportunities for people. So the vehicle you saw was one that we used to do some unique things Mm -hmm. to understand how we make the vehicle smarter. Uh, we're still going to have crude vehicles, but we want to make those vehicles smarter so they're they're smart enough to know either not to take off or if I'm up in the air, and I can come back down or I can go home. So what you saw is one of those vehicles. NASA has been working on Artemis for 15 years. What is Artemis? So Artemis is the name Artemis is the sister of Apollo. You know, it's, it's our, our return to the moon to live and work. So this time, you know, it was amazing in in, in the 60s when we went to the moon and we climbed the flag. That was a technological marvel. Uh, Right now, you are likely carrying around more computing power in your pocket and your cell phone than was on the Apollo vehicles. So for Artemis, as we go to the moon to live and work, the idea is not just to go there to visit, but to go there and make it a permanent location. Over time, there, there are people living right now today that will routinely go up to the moon to work in our lifetime. There are people likely living today that will set foot on Mars. So Artemis is that journey, that journey of discovery. And just like I was excited by watching people land on the moon mm-hmm. and many of my generation, that whole Artemis generation is going to be excited by living and working on the moon, landing on Mars, and private industry is going to move to handling low-Earth orbit going to the moon, to Mars, and then forward while we're going deeper into the solar system in the paraphrase of sci-fi show, Warp Drive Through the Galaxy. Now, this may sound elementary, but I've got to ask. Mm-hmm. Why? Why don't we just live on Earth? Why, why must we go to the moon? Why must we go to so, Mars? So we human beings by nature are curious and explorers, right? We want to spread out. So that's one piece. We also want to understand our Earth and our planet and everything around us that we live in walking day to day. So as we talk about those things, uh, exploring other planets, seeing the asteroids and what they're composed of, looking at Venus and Mars. Venus and Mars are very different. Are one of those Earth's future or past or neither, right? Understanding Mm -hmm. that. So as we understand more about other planets, we understand more about our planet. As we understand how to live in in, in harmony with our planet, we can look at other planets and understand that. Now, as we drive further to the moon, once we're on the moon, 
that has lower gravity. We have access to things that are floating around in space that uh, are in near infinite supply that we sometimes get in conflict about here on home planet. So wouldn't it be great to ease some of that conflict? In addition, every time we go to a, a new planetary destination, every time we develop technologies to go somewhere, we're developing things that work right here on home planet. I mentioned the cell phones. We needed, NASA needed small, low-power electronics. Industry developed that, and now they use that to do things that are commonplace for us today. Imagine the things that are going to be commonplace in the future. I have a poster in my office that shows a child standing in the doorway with an adult. The child has a backpack on, and they're looking outside the door, and there's a vehicle outside with a red stop sign on it. What I didn't describe to you is that both the child and the parent have on spacesuits, and they're looking out on the surface of Mars, and it's a school bus because it's the first day of school on Mars. Imagine the challenges we will have solved right here on home planet when going to school for our children on Mars is commonplace. We will just have solved so much from our health challenges to structural challenges to food challenges to understanding our earth challenges because we're pursuing, we're exploring. That's the big what if. And this is where our wonder changes the world. And so you would go to Mars to live? You would? Yes. Yeah, so, so there will be some that will go. You know, and just like all of our exploration, when we go to the moon the first couple of times, we won't stay as long. Okay. And it will be longer and longer. Just like when explorers were moving around the planet here. Now, I will say I had, I had a young lady ask me about the ethics of it, and I think you were going there. Yeah, so you wonder. Yeah, as we learn to live in harmony with our own planet, we want to make sure we're doing the same thing. So right now when we go to another planet, we're hypersensitive to not taking anything there that wasn't already there, right? But we as humans, that's on us to figure out how we go forward. So the way to learn that is to do that. And, and by the way, this was a high school student that asked me this question, and I was quite moved because that mindset, she's thinking forward, okay, when we get all of the success that you just described, how do we operate in it? If we don't have people thinking about how to answer those questions, mm-hmm. we won't know how to answer those questions. So, again, I'm inspired to who that young lady, what she's going to do, what she's going to solve, what she's going to set in place so we do this in an amazing way. You have been an amazing guest today, Mr. Clayton P. Turner, the director of NASA's Langley Research Center. So I have an assignment for you, if you don't mind. If okay. You, if you don't mind. There are two people I want to interview. One of them, I know he's kind of busy. I get that. Victor Glover. Okay. But, you know, whenever he can. Okay. The other is, can you get me in contact with Mr. Gregory Robinson? Because that whole web telescope and coming out of Virginia Union University and Howard University or whatever, I would love to talk to that gentleman. All right. So I I have the assignment and uh, Brittany will get back to you on, on closing on that assignment where we can. Uh, As you can imagine, sketches for both are challenging, but I I have taken the assignment. Thank you so much. How can I thank you for coming on with me today? Oh, just just shed that message and inspire and excite as many as you can, and that's my thanks. Thank you for what you are doing. Thank you for the obvious passion and excitement that one hears that I'm sure is translating to these young people that you take time out to talk to thank you for that because so many so many adults don't understand how important that is and you do so thank you so much for that i appreciate it 
Thank you for having me on. It's been wonderful. Thank you. And before you go, tell the listening audience if they want more information or if they want groups to come through or how should they, uh, what next steps should they take? Right. So if you're interested in NASA, go to nasa.gov, N-A-S-A.gov. There's a wealth of information about NASA. There are also sites or, or links on that site that are geared toward K through 12, and it's segmented by age group. If you're looking for general information on the missions we're doing, they're all on that site. And if you want to know specifically about Langley, uh, that's also on that site. So it's an easy go to nasa.gov, and you can follow all the information we're doing. Now, our local communications team puts out a lot of material. The local media, like yourself, support what we're doing, so we share a lot. Uh, probably going to be a little while before we can do another open house on that scale, but we always are bringing on school groups to introduce them to the things we do across all of our disciplines, and we're also always reaching out to the community to participate and be part of this overall community. So there are many opportunities. Thank you, Mr. Clayton Turner of NASA. Thank you so much. You all take care. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to On the Line. As I always end it, behold the green and gold.